Welcome back, Bulls Nation, to another episode of Nothing But Bull. Today we have a very special guest. He's the voice of the most fire intro in the NBA, the Chicago Bulls PA announcer, Tim Sinclair. Tim, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. This is uh, this is cool. I I watched the Stacy interview. I feel like there will be less conversation at the beginning about dogs. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I hope to try to uh, hold my own. So, yeah, for good reason. There's less conversation. <laughs> hey, a lot of that was supposed to be cut, but. <laughs> now, hey, I watched it all. It was it was great. I love dogs. I just don't have one of my own. So. Dogs are the best. You yeah. watched it all, and you came you came on here anyway. I had already agreed. So. I... <laughs> I mean, you never know what Stacy's going to say. So <laughs> he's the best. He's the best. Of course, joining me is my longtime co-host Justin. How's everybody doing? Uh, you know, it it feels like a lot of stuff has happened, at least for me personally, uh, since we were um, last on. Uh, just a lot of crazy stuff, uh, but it's good to be here with everybody. And last time she was a guest, and now she is a co-host. Melissa, what's up? For having me back, I don't know why, but <laughs> <laughs> the people demanded you, <laughs> and Stacy endorsed you. <laughs> Congratulations on the uh, the upgrade, Melissa. That's awesome. Thank you. I got changed the title. Got the title on my desk. So, Tim, um, we know that you are the PA announcer for the Bulls. Uh, I think you're also a PA announcer for other Chicago sports teams. Yeah, I do uh, the Bulls, of course, and the Bears and the Fire. You'll occasionally hear me at a White Sox game, hit or miss. Uh, any international soccer that comes through Soldier Field, I'm typically a part of. And then I do University of Illinois basketball in Champaign. That's awesome, um, what got you into doing PA work? Uh, it was a beautiful accident. I think it's probably the best way to put it. I um, studied architecture in college, of all things. Um, decided partway through that I needed a, a part-time job. Knew somebody in radio said, "Just hey, can I can I help?" I didn't know that they were going to put me on the air, but uh, they did for whatever reason. Uh, I was terrible, I as I recall, but I loved it and just fell in love with the ability to communicate using primarily my voice and ultimately dropped out of architecture school, went into radio full-time um, and loved sports on the side, but, but didn't ever merge the two. I wasn't doing sports radio or anything. I just happened to be doing radio and loving sports sort of, in, uh, you know, in separation of each other. And then um, well, I'm trying to remember when it was probably 13, 14 years ago. Now they needed a little help at the university of Illinois. We're putting out the call for new PA guys and someone suggested, Hey, you should go try that or at least try out. So I sent them a tape and um, that's how old it was. I sent them a tape um, and 
they didn't call back. It was like a year later before I heard anything. And finally they were like in obviously in a desperate situation. Can you come to a baseball game? You know, we've exhausted every option. And so I went and did baseball and like with radio, I think I was terrible the first time out, but fell in love again uh, and really realized this is something I, I want to do at least on a part-time basis, kind of just for fun. Uh, but one thing led to another, and uh, all of a sudden, you find yourself doing more gigs and bigger gigs. And rather than 20 people at something, there are 200, then 2,000, and 20,000. And uh, it kind of grew and became something that I never could have expected. I'm sure the floor seats help. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice perk, that's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Dead center on the floor for Bulls games. Uh, you can't get any better than that. Sure. You're going to have to go back and uh, tell our viewers what tapes are. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Most don't know. Yeah, I, I was probably exaggerating a little bit with that audition, but I am old enough to have used actual cassette tapes. Um, my time in radio was all editing digitally, so I'm not quite that old, but but I was on the forefront of when digital editors were coming out. Uh, tapes, we we used to have to, you took take a pencil and I don't, you guys are all younger than me. So I'm, I feel like I'm going to have to go way, way back. Yeah, you'd have to wind the tape back in if it came out at all. And they were, they were awful and clunky and, but they were what we had. And so you would put one thing and then hit the stop button and then you have to hit the record and play button at the same time again to start it record. It was, it was a mess. So you're not missing anything. Enjoy all your digital stuff and uh, don't worry about looking back. <laughs> you're not aging yourself, Tim. I, I had to do the same exact thing. So I, I know what you're talking about. All right, I feel a little bit better then. I do too. That's why I'm like, I, I knew it exactly. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I, I think we're all talking about it. If if you haven't done it yourself, <laughs> and we all used to like, I used to sit by the radio too, and it's like you wanted to create a mixtape, gotta wait until the commercial's done. That exact time, the best. <laughs> I remember leaping over furniture to try to get to the um tape player so i could record the song that had just started you always missed the first five seconds right. you're like, is that it oh that's it and then you'd run <laughs> over and it was it was awful right. so do you have any like what was your first experience in front of a crowd like you said you've done like in front of 20 2000 20,000. wow that's a great question um not doing public address work. Uh, when I worked in radio, we would often host concerts, you know, and so you'd have the radio personalities that nobody wants to hear from on stage before the band comes out. And everybody's like, you know, get off the stage. We want to hear whoever it is, not you. But we all had to go up there and talk about our station. So that was probably the first time in front of a large crowd where you just grab a mic and you'd have to fill a couple of minutes. Uh, but from when I was a little kid, my dad um, was a pastor, actually, and uh, was a, a musician. And so he would get up and play the piano at, at events. And they used to have, want me to come like stand on the piano bench next to him or, you know, sing or play. So I, I was always sort of familiar with that life, but had never dreamed of turning it into any sort of a career i was just always comfortable communicating um i didn't particularly love speech class in high school but i didn't hate it either 
Um, I didn't do any of that in college. I was only in college for three semesters. So it's not like I had a whole lot of time. Um, but that, those were probably the first inklings of this is what it takes to stand in front of a group of people and and use my voice to try to communicate some sort of a message. There's only so much you can do when you're three, but then when you get to be 30, at least it's not completely foreign. And um, so I, I'm, I'd never really thought about it before until you asked that question, but that probably has helped a little bit in the process. But you have a great energy about you. Um, you know, I was listening to some of your work uh, over the weekend, um, and I'm, I don't want to be fake, so I'll have to admit that I have not heard you announce a game before, only because I have not had the means to actually watch, like, you know, an actual game um, through the normal course. I, how do I say this? I I have not had a streaming service that I could use in order to watch a game. So I've had to watch um, games and like crazy uh, languages and all of that stuff. But you, you have a, um, a definite energy that comes out. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really great to be able to hear you. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's you when stepping into a job, especially like this one, where everybody knows that intro i mean you could you could drop me into most any part of the world and start playing that music and do the and now thing and everybody would instantly know what that is and so when you walk in as the new guy after two icons doing it for 43 years or whatever it was um you, you want to be yourself you want to bring a a new or a different energy because you are a new different person but also you want to do history justice. And so there's um, a bit of a balancing act and I didn't ever want to overthink it because I thought that would probably um, make it less genuine, but I did want to pay it its due respect. And so the goal has been to be me, uh, be authentic throughout the whole thing, but also realize what this is what it means to Chicago, to the NBA, to sports in general, and and hopefully um, all the all the pieces would fall into place. And I, I got to say, I've been really fortunate that by and large, people have been incredibly accepting. And um, uh, for that, I'm really thankful. Yeah, you definitely do a great job of the intro. <laughs> yeah, actually, one of our followers wanted to ask you that question. The hardest thing about following the footsteps of Tommy Edwards, which pretty much answered it. Like those are some pretty big shoes to fill, but he nailed it. Well, thank you. Uh, the, the, the story of the tryout was interesting because I'd been doing the Pacers for a couple of years. Uh, I thought I was never going to leave. Um, I got my NBA opportunity and I, I love the bulls, but I, I got my NBA job and I didn't expect the bulls job to ever come open. And so uh, I was happy but then it did. Uh, and I was in the bubble. I was working for the NBA in the bubble in Florida during 2020 when I finally got the official, hey, can you send us the actual audition? And they sent me the serious music and they sent me the um, the script they wanted me to follow. And I'm in my hotel room at Disney, you know, with blankets all over my head in a closet trying to recreate that that introduction and I hadn't 
I hadn't heard it in a while. I'll be honest. My 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 turn to to be uh, blatantly honest. I hadn't listened to it in a while. It probably had been a decade or more since I had consciously paid attention to that introduction. And so I did what I remembered it to be, kind of. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't trying to recreate it. I wasn't trying to copy anything, but I was trying to, in my head, how would I do this? And instead of the, you know, Ray always used to do the and now, and he would sort of do the and was big. And for whatever reason, sitting in that hotel room, I did and now, and now became the big word. Um, and, and until a friend mentioned it like a year ago, I, I didn't realize that I had done it that way. It just sort of how it came out. Uh, and so that's how it's been ever since. And thankfully, people have uh, really been uh, positive about it. So we'll keep doing it. Yeah, I need that uh, you were in a bubble when you're doing this. You were like, what, four or five of the announcers chosen to go to the bubble? How was yeah, that experience of being <laughs> just in this bubble <laughs> for however long it was? Uh, I've often called it NBA summer camp. It's like... <laughs> You know, when you went to camp as a kid, it was like all these kids on one area. You couldn't really leave, but you could fish or ride your bikes or go to the pool. And there would be, when it was mealtime, everybody would go to this one place and eat. And then occasionally you'd get on a bus and go rafting or whatever. It was almost identical to that, except with NBA players and referees. Um, you know, we, we couldn't, well... The NBA said, we're not telling you you can't leave. We're telling you that if you leave, you can't come back. So, because um, we weren't captives, but we were all there. We weren't supposed to leave, um, but we could go fishing or riding our bikes. They took golfing uh, excursions and they had a pool. And so we used all those things. Um, and then there was a place where you could all go to eat and a restaurant and all those kinds of things. And then a couple times a day, you'd get on a bus and you'd go instead of you know, whitewater rafting, you'd go to a NBA game and work, and then you'd come back and you'd do it all again the next day. Um, so you could be walking around the pools or the lake and you'd see LeBron and AD, or you'd see, you know, whoever. It was just the most bizarre thing, but eventually it became kind of normal. Um, and man, I, I wouldn't want to do it every year just because it's a lot of time away, but man, I'm so glad I did it once. Uh, and it was an experience of a lifetime. Sounds like a great experience. Um, you know, the uh, summer camp without the bullying, that's a good thing. Um, but when the moment that you came back to the arena and uh, you got a chance to be around the, the fans again, what was that, that feeling like for you um, when you had that, I guess the energy, you know, the natural energy is back in the arena. What was that experience like? Yeah, well, after the bubble, we had an entire season of of no fans so it was not just that and i worked i think i counted it was it was north of 100 i don't remember exactly how many it was but 100 plus events football basketball soccer <laughs> with nobody um and and it started to become normal too which i hated i hated that i was getting used to it because i didn't want to get used to it the fans are what make it um and so the final four games of that 2020 to 2021 season 
we finally got like 4,000 fans back in the building. Um, and I remember, and that was my first experience in the United Center, ex- with the exception of the All-Star game the year before, that I'd ever worked with people in it. And it already felt loud with 4,000 people <laughs> because it was just so new and different, you know, to have people there. And and I remember going, man, if this team's any good next year and you get 20,000 fans excited to be back here, it's going to be incredible. And, um, man, last year did, did not um, – I was not underwhelmed by by any stretch of the imagination. It was it was incredible to have people back. Same thing at Soldier Field, um, to have stands packed with people who who just are are happy to have sports and win, lose, or draw are excited about it. Chicago fans are the best in the world. Um, and man, I I never want to go back to have a you know just hear my own voice literally as the only thing echoing around a stadium while while a game's being played because nobody wants that. Well, I mean, it could have been a bright spot for us because we've had some some pretty rough lineups that we've had the past couple of years, to say the least. Um, but um, you know. When you've gone there and 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 you've uh, been in in the experience of just having fans in the arena, like I know, like you you have this natural energy that we talked about. But um, is there ever been a time where you were kind of like looking at the team and um, thought, you know, it might be kind of hard to bring the energy for this particular team, or was there any time where like you were like maybe like the fans aren't buying my energy because of the team that's not on the on the court like has has it ever been difficult like that for you that's a great question and um the answer is is yes but i i will say and i mentioned this earlier i i think one of my jobs is to always be authentic i am a cheerleader with a microphone uh i am a fan of the team you know and, and my job is to be excited by and large, as well as be clear, concise, correct, you know, do all the basics that a public address announcer is supposed to do. But I'm never going to be one of those guys who's always turned turned up to 11. I'm not going to sound the same in the first quarter as I am in the fourth. My energy level isn't going to be the same when it's a one point game as when it's a 30 point blowout either way. It just isn't because if it was, people would know that guy's just being paid to hype us up and there's nothing to be hyped about. Um, and, and all of a sudden that sort of discredits me as a, as a human, as a fan, as a professional, like that, lots of people do it, but I'm not that guy and, and I never will be. And if they asked me to, I would have a really hard time saying, okay, um, that, that doesn't mean I, I, I'm not going to bring energy, even if we're losing, it just means that I'm, I believe supposed to reflect what the crowd is feeling or should be feeling in a moment. So a lot of times it's easy when they're excited. I'm just, I'm going with them. Sometimes we've got to lead them on a journey a little bit. And it's my job to kind of lead that charge. But as a group, we're not going to try to do that when, when you've lost 10 in a row and you're down 30 in another game. Um, We understand that. And I understand that. And so um, I'm going to try to be sensitive to that while trying to make the presentation fun while still trying to be a cheerleader and, and help encourage these guys. Um, I I'm never going to put myself in a position where I feel like 
nobody wants to be excited nobody is excited and and i'm going to be this gigantic sort of caricature of a, of a human trying to take people somewhere they don't want to go so it's a balancing act right you, you got to do your job you got to do it well and i hope i can and i hope i do and i have when put in those situations but um you got to be cognizant of the situation read the room i say that all the time um and you know sometimes it probably will feel to some like there's more energy than uh from me or from someone else on the team than the room warrants but um we, we try to do our best at that and, and hopefully it comes through do you have like a most memorable game sorry do you have a most memorable game of all of the sporting get events and all the different teams that you've you've been involved with do you have like a most memorable game man that's a great question i would say there are a couple just by the very nature of what they were um i i've been fortunate enough to do two of the last three all-star games so all-star in chicago all-star in cleveland um man both of those for different reasons were incredible the one in chicago just because it was in chicago uh kobe had just died and we had all sorts of things that we were doing so i you know i had to keep my emotions in check through that because we were doing all these very heavy reads about him and it, you know it started with that spotlight on Dwayne wade and candace parker and so that was super memorable. Uh, this last year was the 75th anniversary. And so as each of those guys, of uh, the top 75 walked out, I was the one introducing them. It was like me and TNT for half an hour, basically, which was a little strange, but it was a sort of career highlight. Actual gameplay um, is probably soccer. <laughs> Ironically, um, Messi and Argentina came and played in Chicago in 2016 for Copa America. He was hurt. And so we had 60,000 people filling Soldier Field, including my two kids um, who were there hoping to see him play. And he wasn't in the, the starting 11. And the air was kind of taken out of the building. And everybody's like, we just paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars for these tickets to not see the greatest player in the world. And with about, I think it's the 60th minute, um, he jumps off the bench or runs around the corner from where they were warming up and checks into the game. And the roar was insane. And if that wasn't enough in the next 25 minutes, he scored three goals. And it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And so uh, I've got a lot of basketball to choose from, a lot of football to choose from, but but that from a pure watching greatness on the court in a short period of time, it probably goes to Messi. Definitely. Well, of course, we we love your Jordan intro too on the seventy five on the seventy fifth. Of course, that was really good too. That I, I will say, and I've told people this before, I held it together for 74 and a half names <laughs> i you know it could you get in this because you have you know i've got people talking in both ears and tapping me on the shoulder and trying to you know for timing and tv and they got to wait to make sure the cameras are in the right place uh one funny story during that um of course rodman was part of that group and as you might imagine lining up 60 or 70 of the greatest basketball players ever in the wings of this arena is not an easy task to get them there on time to get them in the right spot but it was it went flawlessly and we were in the middle of it 
and I'm hearing everybody in my ears while I'm talking. And all of a sudden, as I'm saying the name right before Dennis Rodman, I hear in my ear, we don't have Dennis. We don't have Dennis. Of course. So, oh, my goodness. Of, <laughs> of, of all the guys. On brand. Everybody's money would have been on that. Um, and so I'm kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to start talking yet until I know, because they had pictures of everyone in case someone didn't show up. They could put that up as the... And there's a little bit of a pregnant pause and I'm kind of looking at my director and then I'm looking at the producer both, both ways. And it was just long enough to be slightly awkward. And then I hear, we have Dennis, we have Dennis. And then it was a six time NBA <laughs> champion, you know, then it just jumped right back in. And I think, don't think anybody noticed, but that was what was going on behind the scenes as we're talking. And then we get to Michael and I, a lot of people didn't know he was going to be there. Um, I was aware of it that he had landed and made it. And I got to that about that, a six-time NBA champion. And they showed him on the screen. And the sound in that building, like it's going through everybody's microphones into my headset, through my microphone into my headset. And it was so loud and so dramatic that I had to take a second. And on my Twitter feed, you, you can hear that. And then push my way through the rest of it and it was it was a bit of an emotional moment but uh, it was one i won't forget for sure definitely a reason he was 75th they saved him for last for a reason partially because of his flight but <laughs> <laughs> no, i just leave that out <laughs> i don't think he would have had it in the other way no 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 nope. so tim you have all of these great players um surrounded by each other and can you tell us, like, do you do you have any stories of any trash talking that might have gone on in between with those guys? Um, I can hear some of it. Um, and I, what I hear a lot of is coaches and officials. Um, you'll hear players some, but they even even courtside try to guard it a little bit. Uh, so not always, but sometimes. Um, my my favorite conversation was again a, a coach and an official it was steve kerr when the bulls were playing the uh warriors it was either last year or two years ago i don't remember i'm trying to remember which um and tony brothers was the lead official i don't know how well you guys know officials but he's been in the league a long long time and steve is yelling at tony about kobe white who was carrying the ball when he was when he was dribbling he was turning it over and it probably was but they don't call that very often steve's like tony that's a carry that's a carry and finally as they're running back down the court now the warriors have the ball tony's like what he goes that's a carry and at the at the time steph was dribbling back the other way and tony's like on steph <laughs> because like, why, why would you call this on your own player and steve goes yeah probably but i meant on kobe white <laughs> <laughs> and of course nothing was ever called but it's that kind of stuff you you hear all the time that just you know you got to try to remember in the in the flow of the game um but it's it's so funny and one of my favorite parts of the job is being able to hear you know some of those things that nobody else gets a chance to that's a great story tim but i met at the ceremony <laughs> like oh, with all that? of those great players like oh you know, trash um, talking about how great they were no i wasn't <laughs> 
Sorry to misunderstand your question. No, was, no, no. It was still a great story. I was not really close enough to those guys once they were all out there. Um, I did run into, and one of these days I'm going to write a book called People I Met in the Bathroom. Um, <laughs> and it's just going to be, each page is going to have a name and then you can switch it and there's going to be another name. And then, and I met John Stockton, uh, no, Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler was in there. It's just the weirdest thing to walk into it and see like legends who were just, just talking as we're walking out the door. And, um, but nobody was trash talking for most of those guys. It's a reunion. You know, I, th I think, you know, Jordan probably had some, there was some of the, some videos of that, you know, of those guys saying, I'll take you right now. And so, but most of those guys, it was like a family reunion for, for people who hadn't seen each other in a while. So, um, I, I was unfortunately not, uh, privy to any of those uh, trash talking situations they're probably still afraid of jordan anyway <laughs> sorry <laughs> i might have called you tony i got so excited but i meant to say tim i'm sorry about that i didn't hear it if you did okay <laughs> i'm i'm partially blind here um because i don't have my my glasses on so i answer to many things so uh whatever it is it's fine by me the, I like uh, that video that, oh, of Jordan and Rodman. That was cool. When they met up, that yeah. was viral on Twitter. <laughs> that was so cute. Yeah. It, all, all, it was it was so fun seeing all those people in one place. And I maybe at the hundreds, something like that will happen again. But, man, I can't think of too many times that that much talent has all been in the same room at the same time. It was incredible. For sure. Let's see. We asked um, some Twitter followers what they would like to ask you okay um okay uh see red uk is asking he saw your video of uh demar DeRozan's routine before entering the court what other players have a set routine and who has the strangest mm. Man, um, yeah, I mean, DeMars is the most noticeable one because it happens right in front of me every game. So that that was why I noticed it and decided to to put it on TikTok. Um, I mean, everybody has has a bit of a routine. I would I remember Victor Oladipo when I was with the Pacers used to go by and fist bump all the Pacers guys along the table and I would give him a fist bump. And then he did a little would cross himself and kind of look at the sky deal. Um obviously everybody's seen lebron's the chalk in the air uh which has been fun to uh, on a couple of occasions be almost directly underneath him as as he does that it, it's just again become so iconic that it's fun to see up close uh the strangest and i don't know if he does it everywhere i don't know if he does this at home uh, but dwight howard every time he's come to chicago he does this little thing and he's not even, he's not even a starter generally, um, but will come along the table and he like stands right in front of me and pretends to like grab all these fake things off the table. And like, he's dumping them into this imaginary bowl and, and mixing them up. And then he'll grab whatever I have to drink. So I've had like a bottle of water. I've had a thing with Dr. Pepper in it. And he like takes it and pretends to to dump that in. And he's like doing this whole kitchen segment right in front of me and then does kind of like the fake LeBron thing with whatever he's mixed up and then hands me my drink back and walks away. And I remember the first time I was like, 
what just happened? <laughs> and and so I thought, I don't know what I thought exactly the first time, but <laughs> it has happened multiple times. And so in terms of ones that I'm involved with, that that is the strangest. And I, we've never talked about it. He's never said anything otherwise. But right before tip, he makes some sort of weird fake concoction and throws it in the air. Yeah, that's very um, strange. It's an interesting dude. Yeah, like, don't touch my drink. Give me my, my, give me my oh, So, speaking of touching things, be, like, do you have time for another story? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, last year, and I've never told this publicly anywhere, so breaking news. During COVID, um, you know, everybody was nervous about everybody, and so everybody was being careful, and... Joel Embiid sits down in front of me to check into a game because they they almost always sit on the table right in front of me, making it very difficult to see. And so he, especially if it's Joel, and he sits down and as he's checking into the game, I see this thing out of the corner of my eye and it's two Halls wrappers that he sets right like, like I could touch, I could have touched them. They were right in front of me. And I was like, Seems like you could have discarded that somewhere else, but okay. And so I took my pen and my empty cup and I scooped them off the table into the cup and set them down. I took a picture of it too, just to send a couple of my friends on a text thread. And the next day, Joel Embiid out with COVID-19. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And that's and that's right before the whole bull scheme got it. So that was right in that because they played Philly and then so anyway, I and it never crossed my mind at the time. I was just like, I'm not gonna touch another man's halls wrappers, uh, regardless. And um turns out that he was diagnosed the next day or or less than 48 hours later. And then, you know, I think that was when Vooch got it and a few others. So uh speaking of not touching my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you, got, you dodged a bullet on that one. Mm -hmm. You dodged a bullet on that one. Yep. Thankfully, I was all good. <laughs> Let me see. Take another question here. Uh, Easy from the UK. As Hello Tim during the season, uh, sometimes. Do you feel that your fandom can go above your professional assignment? How do you manage it? Yeah, I think I understand that question. I I will say, like earlier, I mentioned being a fan with a microphone. So I, I think I, I think that's kind of what I'm supposed to be. There's there's some restrictions to that, obviously. Um, and I want to, above all things, be clear concise correct do my job make sure the fans understand what's happening or the players and the coaches understand what's happening transmit information from the officials to the players and and people in the building that kind of stuff but also it's supposed to be fun and i am supposed to be a fan um i think once you've done it long enough you realize what's okay and what's not and how far into the game you can get and how far you can't like I don't watch a game like most people do. I I remember plays. I remember things that happened, but your brain is going in so many different directions that of things you have to remember and pay attention to that 
you're you're kind of just being drugged along by the action and and you don't have necessarily time to jump out of that mode into fan mode and and kind of forget the other things because if you did you probably wouldn't be doing the job very long um football is definitely that way because there's if in if in basketball there's a million things happening at once in football there's feels like there's 10 million things happening at once um and I could go back and watch a game that I worked and probably not remember a lot of it seeing it the second time, just because you are so literally play by play yard by yard, trying to pay attention to what's happening that um, after the fact, it, it all becomes kind of a blur. So I haven't, and I'm not an overly emotional, like I'm not a guy who sits at home on the couch yelling at the TV for most games. So it's not like I'm holding that part of myself back. Um, that, that doesn't really, happen um even when i'm not working but eventually you do it long enough that um you kind of know where you can live and what your brain needs to be focused on and the rest thankfully has taken care of itself thank you backing off of that like with so many things that are going on at the same time do you have like a most embarrassing story did you ever make a mistake i've made a few i've made a few um the <clears throat> The funniest bolt related one nobody heard because nobody was in the building. It was 2020. Um, so we're no fans. It may have been 2021 by that point, but it was that season. We were playing the Lakers. And I, I, as I mentioned, I, I quite frequently have a player sitting in front of me during the gameplay. And so you're kind of doing this, trying to see around him. And this time it happened to be LeBron was checking in, sitting right here. And the officials, when they call fouls, me and our official statistician, Bob Rosenberg, everybody calls him Rosie. He's been with the team since they started, usually sit right next to each other. So when they motion, we're it's right at both of us. Well, in 2020, everybody was six feet apart. So Rosie was six feet to my left, and that's where they would signal. And then sometimes I would have to ask him for a little help. Well, I couldn't see the official because LeBron was in front of me. And so they mentioned the foul and I said, Rosie, who was that foul on? Well, LeBron was trying to be helpful. So he turned around and told me, I don't remember what the number was, but he turned around and was like, yeah, I was on 30. And I said, thank you. Except when I said, thank you, I'm so used to when I talk hitting the on button that I hit the on button and I told the entire United center, thank you. And, <laughs> and so um thank again thankfully there was nobody there uh but my boss in my ear was like who were you thanking and I, and I held down the button to talk just to them I'm like you wouldn't believe me if I told you and she's like what happened I'm like it was LeBron I'm sorry and everybody was laughing about it but it was just one of those things that you're just so used to hitting a button quickly when you talk and I was talking to a player um and I I hit the button and uh so that and I called Damana Sabonis Boyan Bogdanovich once in Indiana when he was at the free throw line and uh, everybody got a, a pretty good kick out of that too. But when you say that many words, it happens. Yeah. Let's see, we have another question. From Desmond. Uh, yes, what was the first game you remember seeing and why did you start supporting the Bulls? Was there a specific player or was it more of a family thing? Favorite 
bowl of all time. All right. Um, so I grew up in Detroit, <laughs> of all places. So I was a Pistons, Lions, Tigers, Red Wings fan when I was in elementary school. Um, but I had two posters on my wall, uh, Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan. And it was the Jordan poster from the dunk contest, you know, legs back from the free throw line that everybody, you know, had at the time. Uh, and those were my guys. And the first game I remember seeing in person was at the old Pontiac Silverdome um, outside of Detroit. So the Pistons and the Bulls. And I want to say it was 85, maybe um, 86, somewhere in there. And Jordan in an overtime game dropped 60. And uh, it was, you know, I was, again, I was just a kid. I was young, but I remember I was a Pistons fan, but I knew I was witnessing greatness watching the Bulls. And a couple of years later, my family ended up moving to Illinois. And that was right at the transition from the bad boy Pistons to the Bulls finally overcoming them and the, and, you know, and the playoffs and getting to the finals. And so it was, I transitioned my fandom, right. It would look to most like being a fair weather fan, but literally we were in Detroit until 89 and the Pistons won in 89 and 90. And then we moved um, coming up on the 90 season to Illinois. And then that's when the Bulls started taking off. And so that was kind of when my fandom transitioned. Um, I favorite player. I, I mean, it's gotta be Jordan. I know it sounds like a cop-out answer, but for, for a lot of people who never got to see him play younger than me, and I'm sure you guys are in that category, you know, it's Derek Rose or, you know, even Jimmy Butler or whoever. But um, for me, my, that formative, those formative years for me is uh, the greatest player to have ever played. I, I, how can it not be him? So um, he was on my wall and uh, I got to introduce him the one time now <laughs> at the 75th uh, all-star thing. And so um, I, I feel like I, I would like to do it again, but uh, if I don't get to, at least I got to the one time. I know um, Justin had submitted like five questions to that Twitter thing. <laughs> Me too. I mean, we were kind of spitballing ideas um, for for questions, and I w I wasn't even really thinking about it. I just um, I meant to just like send it to you all normal <laughs> chat. So I'm still learning technology. You have to excuse me. So have you all asked right, well, all of them yet? <laughs> Well, you know, Derek, because like with being in the Discord, like how how long was I in that section where I was just sending messages to myself? Who <laughs> was talking to anybody in the audience whatsoever? <laughs> I still don't know exactly where you were. I don't either. <laughs> but but you have successfully used Discord, which. Seems like a pretty uh, youthful thing to have done. Now, whether you used it correctly or not is another story, but uh, knowing what Discord is, it's a good step. Definitely. Um, so, Justin, did you ask these questions already? Like, do I need to pull them up? Um, I don't think that I asked. Um, yeah, can you pull it up? Because I can't. I was just like really just spitballing. Yeah, there we go. You ask the question 
No, we didn't ask about the food. How much better is the food in Chicago than Indiana? I mean, yeah, Indy doesn't have a food. It's, I mean, it's not even close. Chicago food is so, so much better. Um, there are some great places in and around the arena uh, in Indianapolis. So, not knocking any of those places, but if you just talk about a food town, Indianapolis is not it. You know, you can find some some good food but man chicago is it's hands down the best and i feel like i can uh i could eat at a new place for every single meal for the rest of my life and never go to the same place twice there are just so many options and um i've always been a fan but now that i get to you know kind of do it on a daily basis it's not a bad thing at all dish or thin crust oh um i'm a deep dish guy However, I typically don't eat the actual crust, like the very edge. Yeah. If they could, and maybe you guys can work on this, if they could somehow market that thing right between the crust and, and the rest of the slice where that cheese gets extra crispy yeah. and you can almost pull it off in a string by itself. That stuff, man. So I stop right there because it's never going to get better than that on every piece. And, and if they could make just that, I would weigh like a thousand pounds, but I'd be very happy. So what's your favorite for a deep dish? What restaurant? Um, Giordano's would be my choice. Although you can't go wrong with Gino's and Luminati's either. Uh, I'm never going to turn any of them down. But if I've just got to choose right off the top, I'm probably going to Giordano's. Also, they follow me on Twitter. <laughs> you got to say Giordano's then. You know, now that I think about it, Lou Malnati's might too. I yeah. need to check that. Lou Malnati's is good about following too. Yeah, I, I, they might as well. So The controversial one, does pineapple belong on pizza? No. Oh. No, it does not. <laughs> no. I like pineapple. Pineapple is good by itself. Thank you. I think I was reading, like, I think my wife said something about I think being in Italy where you have to, like, sign a waiver or like you're not allowed to do like pineapple on the pizza. It was some kind of crazy thing, but she was, I wish I could remember the story because she was just telling me about that. It's like, uh, no, you're not allowed to to desecrate um, pizza. I was in Italy a few years ago and I had a lot of pizza. I don't ever remember seeing pineapple though. I had some weird stuff on pizza, but I, I don't I don't think I saw pineapple. So that may be true. See, it's not as crazy as what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's see what else did justin ask <laughs> uh the most aggressive fan base that you've announced for oh man um uh, and i also saw the first one like which chicago team do i enjoy announcing for the most let's get that out of the way first i can't answer that question you know that um <laughs> but i will say that um there are different things I like about each one respectively. Like you mentioned, we've talked about early, the courtside seats in basketball. When you work the game, you are a part of the game. You're just surrounded by the fans, everything that the players hear and see and feel I hear and see and feel because I'm two feet from them. So I love the atmosphere of working basketball more than all the others, just because rather than being in a press box removed from everybody watching something happen, you're kind of a part of it happening. But football, 
it's just incredibly technically difficult to figure out who the pass go to or who is running the ball, who made the tackle, how far did they go, how far is left till the first down, and getting all that done in 15 seconds before you've got to shut up because they're running another play. Like, I enjoy the challenge of that. Um, and so for that reason, I, I love doing Bears games or Illinois football games when I get the chance to do those because it's just um, just difficult to do. Uh, and now that I answered the question you didn't ask me, I have forgotten the question you did ask me. So what was that one? <laughs> the, the most aggressive fan base that you've announced for. You know, um, Illinois fans are are interesting. Like Bulls and Bears fans, they're vocal and they're, you know, you know, zero or a hundred. It seems like it's either like everything is awesome or everything is awful. Um, and, and so it's hard to give an answer, but, but Illinois fans like university of Illinois fans are, there's something else. They are very passionate about their sports. Uh, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but, but they are definitely going to, you know, I, the Illinois versus uh, Arizona game in uh, 2005 in the NCAA tournament that took them to the final four that, that year um, was just named the number a year or so ago, the number one NCAA tournament game of all time on NCAA.com. It was an all time game. Was it actually, I don't, I don't know necessarily, but the reason it won is because Illinois fans are just crazy and they got all their friends to go vote. You know, it's like that fan base was like, yes, we are going to have that title. And so we're going to go do this. And I feel it's that way with pretty much everything. So I might have to put funding Illini fans at the top of that list. You were tiptoeing around it, Tim. You, you used <laughs> interesting for Dwight Howard. And then you chose interesting again for the Illinois fans. And then you came back strong with crazy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, interesting. It's probably my cop out word. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. But, um, you, you said when you started out, you, you did terrible. <laughs> and then you end up becoming the PA announced for the Pacers. You get to do all-star games, become the Bulls announcer, Bears, all these Chicago teams. And then you get approached by NBA 2K to have your voice in a video game. How did, how did that one come about? Um, there's a story to that one, too. Uh, I'll tell the most fun part of it. I traveled with the Pacers to Mumbai, India in 2019, I believe. And I've been in the league a year, a little less than a year, actually, when we went because it was preseason. And we played the Sacramento Kings and were there for like four or five days. I hung out with Larry Bird and it was the weirdest thing ever, but it, it was a ton of fun. And while I'm eating breakfast and two guys come and sit down, one of them I know, the other one I don't. The one I knew was the guy, his name's Ray, and he is the mascot for the Pacers. He, he's Boomer. Um turns out the guy who he and he was not dressed up as boomer at the time he was just ray um turns out the guy he was sitting with was uh slamson who's the king's mascot and so it was me and the two mascots sitting there having breakfast and 
Slamson, and I don't unfortunately remember his real name, so we'll refer to him as Slamson, um, says to me, man, are you the guy who does one of the basketball video games? And I'm like, no, man, I wish I was, though. That would be so much fun. He's like, well, the reason I ask is my girlfriend handles all of the audio um, booking and stuff for the 2K franchise, and I think she'd like to talk to you. Do you do you mind if I give her your number? I'm like, no, that'd be great. Well, then 2020 hits and everything goes dark and I don't hear anything. Um, and finally they follow up and uh, sort of tell me their plans for um, not just me, but trying to incorporate as many of the individual PA guys as they can. Um, and the work itself was fun. I loved seeing the behind the scenes though. I love knowing how that goes together. How do they record it? Cause there's so many different possibilities and so many different lines and so many different ways that a game could play out. How do they do that? So I got to at least uh, be a part of that. I've gone twice now to Los Angeles for four or five days at a time, once for 22, once for 23. And uh, they plan to keep having us back. And it's been um, I, I don't play, but I have two teenage boys who play. And so uh, I've gotten to see and sort of how that all plays out actually in gameplay. And it's been um, so much fun. I, I hope we get to do it forever, but uh, even getting to do it a couple of times has been great. So your kids get the brag and say, <laughs> when you're playing 2K, you're going to hear my dad. Right. And I get copies of the game, uh, a few copies of the game anyway. So what I've told each of them is, look, find a friend who loves the game, find out what kind of system they have. And so I obviously give my boys a copy of the game to, to play here, but um, they each get a copy to give to a friend of theirs too, so that they can kind of spread that a little bit. So um, yeah, it's been a pretty good deal for them as well as me. That's awesome. Justin, <laughs> you have any more questions? No, that's all I could think of. <laughs> all right, let me see. Uh, all right, Kirk Heinrich's burner asks, if the Bulls were going to trade Kobe White just by himself, what do you think they could get for him straight up? Well, Kirk should know that as a Bulls employee, I cannot comment on such things. So, <laughs> it's funny because, um, I mean, nobody tells me this like coming in necessarily, but you may have seen this like from Swirsky and, and other Bulls employees. Like, even if it's been widely reported that the Bulls are signing somebody or trading for somebody or going to draft somebody, uh, we as anybody who gets a paycheck that has a bull in the corner, um can't comment on that until the bulls have made it official first um the nba sees that as potential grounds for tampering if we're out there talking about it um like anyone is going to go oh i heard tim sinclair say <laughs> um, but <laughs> apparently it falls into that uh, that camp so i can't get into that but um I, I i can say i'm i'm excited for this year uh there are other people who are who are happy with the core and just wanted to build a little bit around it and think we're on the right track. There are some who wanted more in the off season. Um, I, I feel like 
health is the name of the game for us. And if we can be healthy, uh, it's going to be fun. Like, remember the first three months of last season when everybody was healthy and, you know, we talk about the zero to a hundred fan base, pretty much everybody was at a hundred or 110. Um, I, I want to see that. And I, uh, I can't wait for October when we get a chance to do it again. Yeah, I think we're all excited about that. Uh, there was one question though, that I, I did want to ask, which it, I totally, it totally slipped my mind, but uh, when you're um, working with these various teams, are you able to form like close relationships with any of the players? I would say close would, would probably be a, a stretch. Um, casual is probably the better way to put it. Um, football and soccer, not really because you're so far away. I don't, I don't, often find myself in the same place at the same time, unless I'm doing an interview with them for some reason after the fact. Um, but basketball, you know, we talk about those routines with, um, you know, DeMar or whatever. He's very regimented about what he does and when he does it. And so um, I don't have a close relationship with DeMar by any stretch of the imagination, but every home game, he comes out for shoot around and he has his shoes untied um, and he sits right in front of me. And there's always some photographers taking a picture of him at the, you know, from the court side, but he'll, you know, sentence or two joke with us about whatever it is. Um, and that that's his routine, make a few wisecracks, laugh, um, get his shoes tied and then go out and do his, his shoot around. And then he does a similar thing when he comes out for the game. So um, you get a chance to talk little, little bits and pieces with guys um, I know Malcolm Hill and Ayo Sumu from working at Illinois. I called their games, all of them for both of those guys while they were in college. So to have them, um, you know, stop by and say, hey, or fist bump or talk Illinois stuff, we get a chance to do that. But it's not like we're going out for drinks after the game either. Well, if you get a chance, maybe you can uh, talk to Dale and Terry. He seems a bit reserved. So if you can get him to open up <laughs> <laughs> in those passing occasions yep. yeah I, hey i introduced him too because illinois played arizona um this past season and so i did get a chance to see him up close and man that team was good so uh, i'm i'm sure we'll chat a little bit but i i don't yeah he doesn't need help with the uh, the opening up thing i think we'll be just fine <laughs> um well what about um chuck Skorsky? like how close are you to where he does the dance. <laughs> <laughs> I, when he's dancing, I try to be as far away as possible. <laughs> One, I don't want to get roped into doing it too. Uh, Cause that is that nobody needs that. Um, but Ch Chuck's amazing. Like I worked in radio in Chicago 20 years ago. I was producing a show, uh, a morning show there for a while. And Chuck was on, he was still doing the Raptors at the time. He was doing play-by-play -play for the Raptors, but had Chicago connections. And so we would bring him onto the show once or twice a week via an ISDN line, which is another thing that doesn't get really used anymore. Um, and But it was my job to make that connection, make sure he was there. Say, hey, Chuck, good morning. You're ready to go. And so we talked twice a week for a couple of years, but had never met each other. Uh, and then... I went my way and he went his and literally didn't meet again until the Bulls came to play the Pacers. And I had kind of forgotten he was, had come to Chicago and I saw him. I'm like, 
I need to go see if he remembers me. And all of a sudden we're putting all these pieces together. And so now um, we, we chat pretty much every game. I was just texting him the other day. And so it's, it's fun to uh, kind of be reunited, even though we hadn't ever really met till just a few years ago. Basketball, always bringing people together. I know, right? It's, it, it's crazy how small that fraternity really is in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, um, you know, we had Stacy on the last episode. Uh, has he hit you about coming on? Give me that sauce yet? <laughs> Not yet. Although, um, he and I will talk from time to time too. And, um, I, something on Twitter not too long ago, someone was joking about the nationwide jingle, you know, that he and Adam, uh, sing and, and Adam's a great friend of mine too. And, um, Stacy on Twitter is like, man, I may have to go, uh, grab the mic from, from my man, Tim Sinclair at the United center and do a live version of it, you know, in stadium someday. And so, uh, if I see him over my shoulder, I'll know uh, what to look out for. But I, if, if he's asking to be on the podcast, I'm in. He, he actually mentioned it on, uh, he went on live on Instagram. He's like, yeah, I do have to have Tim on, on my podcast. Good. Well, I will, uh, I'll send him a note. Tell him, tell him I'm in. Someone will, someone will let him know from this. I'm sure. But, uh, that would be a lot of fun. In fact, I've, I've got one too, that I would like him to be on. Um, can I plug for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. So um, I've started a podcast entitled The Call. Uh, and essentially the goal is to go through sports most famous moments and talk about the calls that accompany them with the men and women who made those calls. So um, I had Pat Hughes talk through the Cubs winning the world series and what that day was like and what that ultimate call of them winning the world series was like Brian Barnhart from that Illinois, Arizona game that we referenced a little earlier, Jeff Joniak with the bears talking about uh, the super bowl when Hester ran back the opening kickoff, etc. So um, Stacy is on my list, not for one specific call, but because he more than anyone has um, made it. Oh, look at that. Look at you. Um, <laughs> he more than anyone has has made a name for the the color commentator which doesn't generally happen it's usually the main play-by-play guy who gets a lot of the notoriety who everyone knows but but stacy has made a name for himself um in, in a way that a lot of people don't uh as color guys so uh, i look forward to having him on and we'll we'll talk about the hot sauce comment for sure yeah, just don't bring up puppies. It might go a, a different way. <laughs> Mine is a documentary style, so I can edit out anything I want. So we'll uh, we'll leave. I would say we'll leave puppies on the cutting room floor, but that sounds awful. So I'll come up with another way to say that. You're CEO of a couple of companies too. You want to tell us about that? Uh, sure. It was kind of like. Um, public address it was a beautiful accident i often say i accidentally started a startup working in radio i wanted to get better audio for the stuff we were putting on the air and started a company called ringer r-i-n-g-r um, and it, it's basically a way to record a conversation audio only where both sides sound great even though if you're using your smartphone or your computer uh, and as an outcropping of that we literally just launched a product called stump S-T-U-M-P, just like it sounds. It's an app for um, iOS and Android. And the goal is to make audio social. So you can create an audio, essentially podcast by yourself or with up to four friends, post it immediately. You don't have to have a podcast host. You don't have to pay for um, any editors, any anything. You just do it right in our platform. 
can post it immediately and share it on the stump platform and to any other social media you want. So it's kind of a, a free instant social podcast. Um, and I'm putting all of my podcast, the call there exclusively for now. So if you want to find it, uh, just download stump and follow me and it's free. Um, and, and we're really excited about sort of the traction that that's already beginning to get. Um, you know, you go into stuff like that with fear and trembling because there is no way to make money at the moment. You just, you create it and hopefully people will show up. So, um, I appreciate you giving me a chance to talk about that. Hopefully it leads to more people showing up for stuff. Please come, come join us. It's lots of fun. And it's the only way you can hear the call at the moment, which, um, I'm totally biased, but I, I think it's very well produced and, you know, just riveting. So uh, check them out, see what you think. So, um, yeah, the Bulls finally got back into the playoffs last season. Um, how different is the atmosphere in the UC regular season versus playoffs? It, it's noticeable there's and 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 i don't i don't know how to quantify that but it's i remember even in indian uh in indiana when doing the pacers you know they made the playoffs for playing boston in the first round and it was that atmosphere same number of people in the building but there's just a buzz that shows up when you add the word playoffs and you know it's do or die and you know your team has a chance to potentially win enough games all of a sudden you've won a championship and the united center you know the ex exponential factor of whatever <laughs> you're growing that is crazy high and, and again it's the same number of people but everybody just has that extra edge about them the players do the lights feel a little brighter the um music feels a little louder the bass hits a little harder and it's it's something else and man i i want more than two games i'm just you know I, you, beggars can't be choosers and it's been a long time since there have been uh, many playoff games at the united center so i'm thrilled and thankful for for what we had this last year but um man to get and that was the first round right so if you get to a an eastern conference final or get to do a finals game I can't even imagine how bonkers that place is going to be. I won't be able to hear or talk for days after it, but I'm so ready for it. So, Is it ever times where it's just like so loud on a play that you have to yell to make sure that the audience can hear you over them? I'm sure a lot of times they can't hear me, quite honestly. It it gets so loud in there. And I typically have one headphone on and one headphone off because I want to hear what it sounds like in the room uh, and sort of how I'm blending with everything else. Sometimes you can get two in your own head if you've got both headphones on and you don't have a, a good sense for how it all sounds. But there are times on a big shot where the crowd is loud and people are because i'm listening to lights video directors producers people who are on court like i've got everybody in my ears so all of a sudden yeah it's like i i said words i don't know that anyone heard them and i i couldn't even hear them in my own head so uh, you know but but that means good things are happening and chances are no one heard nor cares what i said because they were so excited about what's happening on the court so that that's fine by me too yeah, is there like is there like a system in place when you're doing games? Like, does it, what comes through your 
through your headphones? Like, is, is it just mostly off the top of your head or? Um, both, I guess, is the answer. So there is a, there's a very specific script um, because, you know, as is with everything in sports these days, everything is sold. So you've got to make sure you are following your obligations to whoever has sponsored whatever it is you're doing. Um, but once the game is going, then it's just me. I mean, that I, because you don't know what's going to happen. And so I sort of do my own thing during gameplay. Uh, but typically during um, timeouts, halftime, pregame, a lot of that is scripted or fairly scripted. Um, occasionally there will be like if you got the inflatable race on the court where the, the inflatables are running around i'm it just says tim calls race and so that's me just making it up as i see it on the court kind of like a play-by-play -play guy would um but a lot of the other stuff has a at least has a framework that they would like me to stick to because uh mainly because there's just no time like we've got this down to the second you got three minutes and 15 seconds most timeouts to get a whole bunch of stuff in and we we time that down to the second so um that stuff is scripted but gameplay is not interesting as a as a bulls employee are you able to speculate where you think the bulls will end this upcoming season if it you know granted we stay healthy yeah what do you think um I mean, I can I could give some generalities and thoughts on I, I don't know that I'm going to pick the number of games they're going to win. I think I heard Stacy say 50 plus, which I would be very happy with that. Um, so I like how he's thinking. I, I do feel like a lot of the East has gotten better. Um, I feel like the Bulls have two, but man, it's going to be interesting in the East. Um, I, I think part of it will depend a little bit on where Durant goes um, or if, or Kyrie or however all that situation plays out, whether it's Boston and maybe that's all been resolved by now. I've been seeing lots of rumors. Um, so I, I would say, um, I would say alt, our ultimate seating will be somewhere in the neighborhood of what we were looking at this last year would be would be my guess if i had to guess and i can't bet so i would not be betting um but four five six would would be my guess and not because the bulls won't be good i think they will be um but because it's going to be tight again like this last year everybody was in a game or two of each other you know milwaukee lost one game and they dropped from first to fourth or whatever it was it was it was crazy at the last few games. So I think it will be similar again this year. And there's going to be a whole jumbled mess between three and seven ish. And uh, I would fully expect the bulls to be somewhere in that range. So How's we're going to edit that out. And we're just going to say, <laughs> have you say um, number one seed champion. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I am a homer and I am in the tank. And if I could choose, that is absolutely what I would choose. And, and selfishly too, right? Because one, I mean, <laughs> it's great, but, but Hey, the better the team does, the more games I get to do and I get paid by the game. So um, it's not only a, a prestige thing to get to do a Eastern conference finals or a, a finals game, but uh, you know, the more games, the merrier for me, for sure. And the courtside seats for the finals. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, and I've, I've got some seats that I try to give away a lot. Um, 
anyway. And so I know I would have people knocking on my door for those for sure. Do you have a pre-game routine? I mean, I wanted to say no, but I guess I kind of do the same thing every game. So I guess that's the definition of a routine. Um, we rehearse pretty much everything pre-game. So typically at 4 or 4.15, we are rehearsing right up until doors open, which is typically for a 7 o'clock game, 5.30. Um, then at 5.30, the United Center has amazing meals for us. I always look forward to eating at the UC. So I go back, sit down and eat. Um, quite often it's with Swirsk or Wennington or, you know, somebody back there. Um, and then by six o'clock, I've got to be back out to the court because that's when a lot of my reads start. So I'll grab, I'll finish whatever I'm going to eat. And then I'll grab a uh, diet Dr. Pepper, usually a little splash of cherry in there from the, uh, the fountain. And I'll bring it out to the table. And I give myself the, that big of a cup because um, public address is 50% saying the right thing at the right time in the right way. And 50% trying to drink enough to keep your throat lubricated, but not so much that you have to pee in the middle of the game. Yeah. And so I give myself that much and uh, that's what I have for the entire game. Cause otherwise um, it's, it's not ideal. Chestnut. What was that? I, missed so I said Dr. Pepper needs to sponsor you. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Hear that Dr. Pepper. They also follow me on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> follow them. Gotta give them the sponsor. <laughs> too i believe so yeah it's about time i need to step to the plate are you drinking a dr pepper right now is that what i saw Ram. <laughs> Diet dr. Pepper. yes i i used to do uh regular dr pepper but um as, as some of you might learn as you get older eventually the calories catch up with you so i've got to uh not drink too many calories if i can help it Let's let's sell this sponsor for Dr. Pepper. <laughs> you want to like you want to give an audition for a Dr. Pepper commercial <laughs> You know what? I think I did one on on TikTok, like kind of like just as a joke, and that's how they followed me. But it didn't come with any money, unfortunately. <laughs> but it would be if something would be like. Even just a personal endorsement, like, hi, I'm Tim Sinclair, public address voice of the Chicago Bulls and Chicago Bears. And when I need my voice to be strong for a game, I choose Dr. Pepper. Send that man the check, Dr. Pepper. Right? <laughs> I'll come up with something better, by the way. But off the cuff, that's uh, that's what we got. Right. As a Bulls employee, I'm sure that you know that the Bulls will be having Bulls Fest September 3rd through 4th. Are you going to be stopping by? You know what? Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I might just as a fan. That's kind of been my plan. Although I've had a couple of people say there may be a need and or interest to have me out there working. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know yet. Typically, it's one of those things where they're like in their meetings because thankfully I don't have to go to any of those. Um, but in their meetings, you're like, yeah, that's totally what we should do. And then like August 30th, someone's like, has anyone called Tim yet? And 
so then i'll get a text or an email going hey so here's the thing um so we'll see um but uh it looks like a really fun event and uh, i will definitely plan to be there in some way shape or form you're gonna get that call august 30th tim we need you for the three-on-three tournament (laughs) yep that's that's how it goes i've actually got to be up there uh for a couple other things they're doing here over the next few weeks um obviously not game related so uh, it may be at one of those meetings that someone mentions it so we'll see Justin, you have any more questions? He's still over there trying to figure out Discord. <laughs> I really was, you know, um, just looking at my phone, just trying to see if anybody was talking about, um, you know, the show and the new show that's coming out, um, which we'll upload soon. Um, but no, um, did we have any like um, reads that we were going to do or no? Um, he just <laughs> gave a read for Dr. Well, Pepper. I know, like, like the ones that we talked about, though. I was just wondering. Um, you guys thinking, uh, like a all time Bulls starting five? Ooh. Out of all the rosters ever, man. I've been, uh, on TikTok, I've been doing some all time roster kind of or you know NBA top five all-time nba i did the bulls intro because a lot of people wanted that i haven't thought through uh my bulls one i mean be really hard not to have most of the mid-90s bulls on the same team on the same team um but then you i mean you got like bob love from back in the day as a big man and um so maybe you do Good Lord. You got you get really guard heavy, really guard heavy. Cause between Rose, Jordan, Pippen could be a forward. Um, but then Butler's in there and Levine's in there. Like all of a sudden you got, you're like the uh, Toronto Raptors where everybody's six, six, like just the entire roster is six, six or six, seven. Um, gosh. That that's really hard to figure out. Um, I guess I would say, and I'm I know I'm gonna forget someone. People are gonna yell at me for, for forgetting somebody. Um, you gotta have Jordan and Pippen and Rodman, probably. And then slide Scotty to the three and you put Zach at a no, Derek. All right. Rose, Jordan, Rodman, Scotty, and Bob Love. I guess. But you're leaving out Levine, you're leaving out Jimmy Butler, you're leaving out Joakim, you're leaving... I mean, like, there's no great way to do that. I guess that's why they make you pick a top five so everybody can be mad at you for forgetting their favorite guy. (laughs) But I will... It's going to be difficult now, but I will do that on... uh, on TikTok, I'll do the full-on serious music starting lineup thing and uh, tag you guys. Looking forward to it. And speaking of Discord, so people are not like Justin. <laughs> if you're watching on your computer, you can take your mobile device, 
scan this. It'll give you an invite to the Bulls Discord. And you should be able to work a little bit better than Justin did. I'm not going to live that down, am I? I'm just going to keep a... <laughs> like, first it was uh, my face and needing to shave and everything. <laughs> and now it's uh, Justin doesn't know how to work technology, so... I mean, you were the one in this conversation who brought it up, though, so... I did. I did. I figured I'd get the jump on everybody else before they start piling on me. Well, that was led to a natural <laughs> plug for the Bulls Discord. <laughs> All right, so we have... Melissa, anything you want to ask Tim before we let him go? Big plans for the summer? Not so much a Bulls-related question, but anything yeah, else? Um, not... Not entirely. Uh, because of the Chicago fire season, you know, I've still got games every couple of weeks that I've I've got to be at, which I know doesn't sound like that big a deal. Um, but between ringer and stump and uh, fire stuff and a few other odds and ends, I haven't had a ton of extra time. My boys and I spent the whole week uh, downtown last week and we did uh, Sears Tower, Willis Tower, whatever you want to call it, um, which we hadn't done before. Did the architecture yes, tour. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's serious, I know. Um, so that was kind of fun. And we're going to kind of do the same thing here in a week or two. We're just sort of go out and explore the city. But in terms of travel, unfortunately, unfortunately not. I'm going to try as soon as the NBA schedule comes out, though, there's a little bit of a bear's window right before the, when the Bulls would be starting. And so I'm hoping I can find a week to get somewhere tropical <laughs> for a few days but uh I, I you just can't make plans until schedules come out because as soon as you make plans then you're like oh we got a game right in the middle of that so um i've got to wait a little while but once that once that comes out i'll figure it out actually i do have one more question yeah what what advice would you give to anybody looking to do what you do how where would they what's a good place to start yeah great question um there are a couple of answers to that one of them, and this goes for any job, really, you want to have ability, availability, and humility. So get good at what you do. Work as often as you possibly can, um, because repetition generally means you're getting better. You know, the more you do it, it's that 10,000 hours rule. Um, availability, especially in this business, when people call and see if you can help them out, you have to make sacrifices to go do it. Um, because if they call you and you can't, they probably aren't going to call you again. Um, because you know, people who make these types of decisions are on deadlines. It's usually an emergency situation when they need to find somebody to fill in. And so if, if their jobs can be made easier by knowing when they make a call or send an email that you're available, that's going to be huge. And then humility is the other thing. Like there's a lot of prima donnas, a lot of egos in this business of, of people who are just difficult to work with. Um, they're going to be a jerk or demanding or um, too big for certain situations um, that nobody wants to deal with that either. And so um, I've found like, yeah, you got to be good. So that's the ability part, but you got to be ready, willing, and able. And then you've got to be easy to work with once you're there. Um, you may have to help someone write a script because 
something didn't get done right or it doesn't sound right. So jump in and help. You, I was moving chairs at I, so the all-star game or maybe it was in India, something. Um, but I'm just sitting there waiting to rehearse and they're trying to scramble to get all this other stuff done. I'm hop up and move chair. Like it's not a big deal, but it also shows people that you're a team player and you're willing to, you know, not just sit there and think you're king of the world because you talk like there, there's nothing about that job that makes me or anybody who does it better than anyone else, like do what needs to be done. And so not just for public address, but in anything, I think if you go at it with those three things in mind, you're going to be, um, probably ahead of a lot of others who who might not think that way so those would be the three things i would say and work as often as possible no job is too big or too small like i was doing the mls all-star game which had sixty thousand people at soldier field and two days later i was doing an illinois women's soccer game that had maybe 200 people at it like great give me a microphone let me do the job um i just want to work and um, those will lead to more things and eventually you'll be able to pick and choose a little bit more. But when you're getting started, if you get an opportunity, you, uh, you should, you should take it. That's great advice. Thank you. And, and thank you so much for coming on the show too. So that kind of goes off of what you just, the advice you just gave. We appreciate that. Oh, my, my pleasure. Thanks for asking me. And, uh, um, Stacy's shoes are big shoes, literally and figuratively, to uh, to step in after. But um, I, I appreciate the the invite, and uh, hopefully we'll get to do it again sometime. Definitely. Thank uh, you, Tim. You got it. Thank, thank you, Tim, for coming. Uh, you can follow Tim right here. Is his Twitter? Uh, also has his link to his website, and make sure you download Stump and listen to the call. Hey, Tim, thanks. Thanks again for coming. You got it, guys. Appreciate it. And we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Hopefully we'll see you at a Bulls game or yes. at least uh, in the Twitterverse. But <laughs> well, you said you were going to make your way somewhere tropical. Like, um, does Florida count? Because I could use some, some tickets <laughs> to a game. <laughs> I mean, it it counts. Um, I, I was thinking maybe Mexico, but Florida's never out of the money. Uh, Hey, once once you're uh, south of Fort Lauderdale, they say you're in Cuba. So, you know that's <laughs> that's the thing with being in South Florida. A lot of similarities, I'm sure. You never know. I've got some frequent flyer miles, so wherever those are able to take me is probably where I'll end up. Well, I need tickets for two. Okay. All right. Well, um, you, that that requires you getting to Chicago, not me getting to Florida. So. <laughs> all digital now i don't have to hand them off to you <laughs> i'm sure uh me and melissa will <laughs> see you at the uc justin hop on a plane <laughs> hey, Chicago. <laughs> yeah definitely don't be don't be strangers come up and say hey it's probably easier for you to find me than me to find you but um shoot me a message if you guys are at games and we'll, we'll make plans to uh to connect all right. Sounds good. All right, guys. All right. Have a good one, Tim. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tim. Yep. Tennis game over. The horn blows. Oh.